guys, today I'm going to read with my sister. She's going to read with me in this podcast. Today she's going to read a book, and I'm going to read chapter 27 of the Shakespeare Scribe. So here I go. When it grew light enough to see, I found the road that would take me to Oxford and London. I was not certain how much help I could be to Sander and the boys. What they needed mostly was money, after all, and I had next to none. But I thought I might manage to find some sort of work. And in any case, I had nowhere else to go. After I walked along for an hour or so, a cart came loaded with cask of ale going to going to Oxford, asked the driver. I nodded. There's room on behind if you care to ride, and if you care to help me deliver these kegs when we get there. In Oxford, I got a ride with another carrier under the same conditions that I help him unload his freight. By the time we reached London, three days after I left Cheltenham, I was so stiff and sore from being jostled about in wagons that I felt as though I'd been beaten soundly. I took my leave of the driver at St. Paul's. I was shocked to see how quiet the courtyard of the cathedral was. Ordinarily, the space was filled to overthrowing with booths of booksellers, stationers, and other vendors with folk come to buy their wares or just to mingle. Today, there were perhaps half the usual number of sellers. The new folk who patronized them were not standing about cautiously looking over the goods as they normally did. Their movements were much more deliberate. They handed straight again, avoiding as much as possible to contact with other customers. Most of the business was at the booths of apothecaries, and the liveless trade was in plagrimandies and preventatives, amulets filled with arsenic and mercury mercury, tonics made of borage and soul juice, selves of egg yolk and swine grains. For far as I knew, no one at Mr. Pope's was in need of such nostrums. As the boys did, however, suffer from a chronic case of sweet tooth, so I stopped at the candy seller's stand and parted with a few of my own pennies in exchange for a bag of marchpane. I was so starved it was all I could keep from eating the candies myself. As I headed south toward Thames, I noted that the traffic in the streets too was unusually sparse for much a pleasant summer's day. Many of those I had passed were holding wadded handkerchiefs up to their mouths and noses like folk downwind of a donkey.
Others wore twigs of rosemary in their hair. Though I put little trust into such measures, at the same time I felt uneasy, vulnerable, going about as I was with no means of encountering the contagion. After so often I came upon the ha- a house that had been boarded up and a cross nailed to the door, often with a, the words, Lord have mercy upon us, scrawled it beneath it. I hurried past these with a shudder, as though expecting some dread demon to spring from them. And the embankment by the Blackfriars, where ordinarily a dozen lorry boats were gathered, awaiting passengers, but there were now but four. The wearyman took me across and instructed me to toss my penny into an iron pot that he said he would later place place over a fire to drive off the venom. The venom, I said. That's how the plague is passed on, you know. Though a poison like a snake venom that seeps through the person's skin. Nay, I said, I don't ken that. He leaned forward, but not too close. Here's another tip for you, he said comfortably. Don't bathe. Ever? I said. He shook his head empathetically. It opens up pores, you see. Makes it easier for the venom to get in. Ah, thanks for sharing that. I stifled a cough. It was obvious that the man was following his own advice religiously. After all of the signs I had seen of the plague's presence, I was half afraid to arrive at Mr. Pope's lest I find a cross and, and plea to God upon the door. I was relieved to see the place looked the same as always, from the outside at least. When I stepped through the doorway, the boys, who were playing in the main hall, spotted me at once and descended on me like a wild Irishman crowing with delight as I fought to keep my balance under the onslaught the good wife Willingson came trotting from the kitchen calling whist boys whist you'll disturb the master I drew the bag of sweets from my wallet and dangled it over their heads this is for those who are quiet then they had returned to their play with mouths full of marchpen Goody Willingson came to me, and seemingly about to break into tears, collapsed with both my hands in hers. Thanks, Lord, you've come at last, Bridge. I've been at the, my wits end these last several days. What with Mr. Pope being ill, and scarcely a morsel of food to put on the table. And oh, that's not the worst of it. She bit her lip and hung her head as though she couldn't bear to go on. What, I urged her. What is it? It's it's Sander, she said. He's gone. I could scarcely believe I'd heard her right. Gone? I said. How do you mean? He went off a week or, or more ago, and he'd not returned since. Did I not leave a message of any sort? No, nothing. Did I take out him? clothing, food? Not that I could tell. I put a hand to my head, which had begun to throb. 
perhaps perhaps uh, went out to try and find work well he found something already that's the thing for a week at least he'd been going going out several hours each day but he was always home by dinner time bringing with him a few shillings or some food do ken where as working she shook her head he never said i suspect it was some lowly task he didn't care to admit to that's not like sander though he to be so secretive He's not been himself lately. He's been distracted like. To tell the truth, I believe he was hurt and disappointed that the company didn't respond to the letter he's asking for help. I told him it might well fail to reach you. It reached us all right, but at the worst possible time. You see, every bit of money the company had had was stolen she put her hand to her mouth in distress oh la they've sent nothing to you then nay in truth did not even send me i i had a feeling out with him oh witch no what was the cause of it i'll tell you about it later i dug from my purse a few coins that remained to me here that may buy a little food at least is mr pope still under the physician's care goody willingson nodded how is a up and down like the fortune's wheel for a time he seems to be getting his strength back and when then dr harvey comes and bleeds him he takes another turn for the worse i frowned how often is he bled every few days god's malt it it's a wonder the poor man has a drop of blood left to let has either of you asked this dr harvey to leave off the bloodletting goody willingson's took look of surprise was profounded as if i'd asked whether they'd renounce their allegiance to the queen why no I'm sure the doctor knew it was the best for him. Perhaps I'll go up and see him. Yes, do. But mind if you don't say a word about Sander. I've not told him yet. Uh, I've not told him yet. It might be best too if you don't fa- mention the stolen money. We don't want him to freak. When I looked in on Mr. Pope, I found him so weak. he could scarcely talk he had been such a vigorous man despite his age and it was shocking to see him so helpless i sat beside him by his bedside and despair in the effort of asking told him all the things i was sure he would not know about the company was faring he reached out unsteadily to pat my hand I'm glad you're back he whispered he closed his eyes then i thought he had gone to sleep but as he rose to leave i heard him say wedge where's sander has just gone out i said 
flashed to sleep. When I returns, I'll send him up. As I stepped out into the hallway, I saw Teddy's slight figure sitting on the top step of the stairs, looking down through the balustrade at the boys playing in the hall below. I sat down next to her without turning. She said somberly, You came back. Hi, I said. I had your picture to remind me. Good. You won't leave again, will you? I hesitated. I was not sure of myself that I would or should do next. Finally, I said, not for a while anyway. I finished from my, I fished from my wallet some sweets I had saved for her. She accepted them as gravely as though she had been physicking pills. Around a mouthful of March pain, she asked, Why did Sandra leave? I don't can exactly. Was it because we were bad? Some of the boys complained when there wasn't enough food. No, no, I assured her. I would never stay away through such a trifling thing. There must be some drastic reason. In the morning, I went looking for work and and found nothing. With the rising death toll had come the corresponding drop in business for the city merchants and tradesmen. They were more inclined to let help go than to hire more. As I went out to Southwark, I inquired of their every familiar face I encountered whether they had seen Sander recently. No one had. That afternoon, on a whim, I went by the globe theater. All entrances were locked. The only windows at ground level were those uh, in the cheering room. I grabbed still and hoisted myself up to peer inside. The place was, of course, as empty as a gurney in May. Though the open, though through the open cheering room door, I could just catch a glimpse of one of the stage entrances, and beyond it, a small section of stage itself. The sight sent a stab of something through me. I was not certain that, but it was a skin to feeling I had experienced so upon seeing again the orphanage in York, where I had spent my early days. It was, I think, the curious sensation one gets when seeing a familiar place from a new perspective, from the outside, as it were, rather than the inside. I had no desire, of course, to be inside the walls of the orphanage again. But the sight of the stage filled me with a fierce um with a fierce longing. I dropped to the ground, wishing that I had not taken that look within. I knew that in a month or so, when the cool weather reduced the threat of the plague, the company would return to the theater. Uh, and the theater would reopen. What I did not know was whether or not I would be with them. I sat on the steps outside the rear door of the theater for a long time, hoping 
without much conviction that Sander, uh, that Sander might somehow be drawn back here. Finally, hearing that Goody, Willingson, and Teddy, and the others would think that they had deserted them too, I rose and heavily hearted and made my way back to Mr. Bones. So that was chapter 27. Bye, guys.